0: P-P-R. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the TPR Pod. Today's episode is with Dossif Hussain. Dossif Hossein is a tech YouTuber based in and out of Canada. Uh, he was kind enough to join us on our show. As he's a YouTuber, we talked about the usual YouTube things that you would expect. How'd he start? How's it been going? He's recently moved from a part-time to a full-time YouTuber. So there's a lot of discussion about how he made that switch happen. There's also a significant portion of the podcast devoted to sort of identity related things, mixing a few streams that we've been following on the podcast in the past year. Uh, Because Tosif is of Desi descent and he's Muslim and he's very like, you know, vocally, obviously 100% of the time, uh, both of those things. So I asked him about you know things like representation and how it's been in the community how his family let him be a youtuber also if you listen to the very end of the episode you know there's a special segment that we ask our guests a specific sort of question and we asked us if that question and he had an intense story for it so without further ado does he on tpr pod <laughs> you've been invited to many Pakistani podcasts before is this a common occurrence
1: uh, no Pakistani podcast for sure first time so right, right. yeah pretty excited yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> I would reduce expectations but thanks very much for coming man um, I'm sorry I've been pestering you for a while I know you're busy
1: no 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 I appreciate it. I appreciate it uh I think uh, if I don't get those emails then I get, just it just gets
0: blown away uh, yeah, yeah, in my yeah. inbox yeah. Yeah. Are you super busy with the YouTube grind nowadays winding down for the year? How are things going?
1: Uh, so I've just been, uh, yeah, everything's just been kind of, uh, uh, projecting like, uh, like busyness in terms of, uh, cause so I just, uh, Quit my job about a month back.
0: Oh, you did. Uh,
1: yeah. So now I'm yeah, finally full time YouTube uh, and uh, just business and social media and stuff like that. So just trying to build out some of these other businesses and stuff like that I had in my mind for a long time. Yeah. Now that I'm not doing the day job, so yeah. I have more time. So yeah, yeah. It's just been uh, busy trying to trying to put all of that together. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty hectic.
0: You know, in this, in this year, it's been weird. I've just been coming across these people who are accountants or involved in like the big four and doing creative stuff. Yeah. I'm, I was an, in the big four myself. So I'm like, no way. Okay. Yeah. This is not what we do, <laughs> but also yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, There's, yeah, you, yeah. there's um, Ethan Shabowski, the food YouTuber. Uh, he used okay. to be in Deloitte yeah. in tax. Simu Liu, interesting uh, from chi He was in Deloitte for a bit in Canada. I was like, what is happening? What is? This? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, nice. Where were you? I was in EY in um, Abu Dhabi EY. and now in Dublin, okay. where I live now. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So the 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 my accounting job continues, but I, one of the reasons why I want to talk to you, in case you're wondering, <laughs> apart from obviously yeah. you know the work you do on YouTube. Is I wanted to get into you know how you found yourself in this situation like you're I'm assuming, of see descent and then yeah. you become an accountant like we do and you know you work in the job, suddenly yeah. you're on YouTube and then uh things are exploding. There's a creative streak in your videos that you know that's mm-hmm. not everywhere in the tech YouTube space. It's just all mm. these things that I was like, how's what's the what's the motto so i guess yeah a good place to start would be the accountancy bit is that how long did you do that is that something you wanted to do so i I
1: really didn't know what i wanted to do for the longest time so i kind of just started off um i mean in high school when i had to go to university i didn't really have any interest like i i was good at uh studies and everything like that um you know, I was getting good grades. I could, my parents were like, but uh think about medical, you know? So I was like, I had that whole thing <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the back, but like, it, like for me, it was like, I didn't want to go into medical, even though, um, cause I knew like I was doing well in the courses and stuff like that, but it was a way of life. And I wasn't sure if that was the way of life I wanted, yeah. uh, because it's not really a career. It's literally like you are dedicating your life to taking care of other people. Um, so you have to like, you know, wholeheartedly want to choose that. So, um, then my backup was I was thinking pharmacy and then um one thing led to another. And then eventually I decided, you know what, if I'm not sure, I think the safest route is business. Uh, because then when I get into business, then I can kind of go into different industries and it kind of leaves my options open. So I applied, uh, went into business school. Um, and then even in business, and the thing is, here's the thing, like my whole life, I don't know if it's just the surroundings, the culture, uh, the friends, the people, like extended family, everybody there's this culture of um, not wanting to take risks and kind of just staying right. within yeah. um, your comfort zone uh, and, you know, like um, doing the safest route possible. Right. And that's kind of also what pushed me initially towards accounting. Um, Cause like, it was like, okay, well, business wasn't enough. It had to be accounting because marketing is the first line to get fired when, you know, yeah. the company's having trouble. Yeah. Right. So it's like, Oh, you can't do business. You have to do more. You have to do accounting. Accounting yes. is the safest. So I was like, okay, well, okay, fine. Let's do accounting. Cause I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I was like, let's just do
0: this.
1: Yeah. This So I started doing um, accounting. And then when I started doing that, it was like, it was just kind of like in that accounting sphere, everybody talked about the big four being like, like, Oh, if you land a big four job, like that's, that's crazy. That's like the cream of the crop, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Whatever. So, and like second year, I think I landed like an internship with like a big four. Um, my my whole thing was I was really interested in networking and like, you know, talking to people and doing that sort of stuff. Whereas uh, like, you know, um, the whole finance side, the studying side and stuff wasn't really that like that intriguing to me. It was more so like the meeting people networking. So Alhamdulillah, I was able to score an internship, uh, started working there. And it was just kind of like everybody around me was like bigging it up. And it was like a big deal. So I was like, okay, well, so I should be grateful for the position I'm in and let's not question anything. Let's just keep doing it and see where it goes. Mm. Um, one thing led to a leather. I graduated. Okay. Then there was like, oh, accounting is not enough. You have to have your CA. So then I was like, okay, fine. I'll do my CA. Then yeah. CA is not enough. You have to have uh, you know, a work experience for several years in a big four. So then I did big four. Uh, I was at KPMG first and then after that, I was like, oh, well, you only have audit experience. You need to have a breadth of experience, you know, <laughs> yeah, if you yeah, wanna, yeah. you to know, do, yeah. do stuff. So I was like, okay, well, then I transferred to Deloitte and I did tax consulting there um, to get more breadth of experience. And every step of the way, I just kept thinking to myself, like, this is not really what I like. Like, why? Like, you know, at what point do we say, you know what, I can start ex- ex- like uh, experimenting with other things. It's safe now to experiment with yeah. other things. And that's what I learned it's never safe. Like, it doesn't matter if like you're first year university, or it doesn't matter if you're like 10 year in a job, it's not going to feel safe at whatever point. Right. And that's what like everybody kept telling me, like, take the safe route, take the safe route, accounting, the job, then this, the designation then you know, work experience and never, it was never ending. Um, so I always tell people, if you don't know what you want to do, do what you hate. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when I was doing that, literally spending those long hours. So you probably know like big four hours are no joke, yeah. right? I would be working like, you know, uh, 8, 9 a.m. since morning to like, you know, sometimes 1 a.m., 2 a.m. at night. And even when I go home, it just doesn't leave my mind, yeah, right? Yeah. You're constantly thinking about it. So I got fed up of it. So I thought, you know what, what I just want to do something for myself, like on my own. And at that point, it was like, well, what could I do for myself? And I kind of just defined myself as a finance guy, right? So I'm like, okay, even if I wanna do my own business, do I have to open up like a financial firm and do accounting services? But I don't like that. Like, I don't wanna do that, right? And then I, um, at that point, you know, um, I decided, you know what, let's, let's do something completely out of the ordinary, maybe I'll like it, right? So then I had zero idea about how to hold a camera anything like specs about a camera, nothing. Um, Cameras were never interesting to me until like, you know, until I actually looked into it and started picking one up. Mm. I enjoyed watching movies, filmmaking and stuff like that. Like filmmaking wasn't like a thing for me, but I liked watching movies. I never analyzed them, Uh, but I also was interested in technology. So I would constantly keep changing my phones. I would buy and sell on like our third party P2P marketplace here. I would buy and sell laptops, tech and whatnot, just so I could experience different things. So then I thought, you know what? Why don't I just put those passions together and try it out? And I think it was the era uh if you're into youtube you know like the casey neistat era, sure yeah, yeah uh where you know everybody was watching him every single day so i was watching casey videos like every single morning yeah. um and then um and then i started listening to i think it was gary b yeah. um and he kind of like pumped me up to like want to do something different uh, so it was a combination of a few of those things at that moment kind of like a Uh, that I was influenced with would wanted to start something wanting to do something creative on my own because of Casey Um, and then uh, yeah and then I decided I'll just start making some vids and then I just started uploading it it started doing somewhat well and then alhamdulillah the benefit of I guess the whole finance and business side of things is that that never really left me so even when I went into YouTube, I kind of approached certain things from that angle, where I was like, right. if I want to do this full time, I have to build a business. I have to diversify my income streams. I have to do all these things in order to make this uh, sustainable. So that kind of begun that journey. And then one thing led to another. And uh, here we are after three and a half, four years of doing part time, uh, you know, a couple of videos here and there. Um, i the got to a point where I was like, you know, uh, this is more lucrative than my day job. Uh, maybe I just should just spend more time on this. And even then, I just didn't feel safe. Like I have three kids, I have yeah, like, yeah. You know, mortgage and stuff yeah. like that. And I just bought a new home. And so it was, it's, it's never going to feel safe. And it was just, I just had to take that leap of faith. I mean, what people don't tell you is like, what's the worst case, right? Worst case is I do this for like six months. It doesn't work. Jobs are always going to be there, right? You yeah. can always go back to the market, go yeah. back and apply, but you can't, like, you know, it's tough to look back at these years, younger, well, pretty old now, but younger years of your life, and then be like, hey, I wish I tried something different, right? And right. that's kind of uh, what pushed this. Uh, I kind of rambled on a lot. Sorry about that.
0: No, you know, but, we can, uh, we can yeah. just end the episode here. You summarize the whole journey, <laughs> it's all there. Let's, let's just go with starting the YouTube thing first then. You start with vlogs, right? I see Mm -hmm. the KC connection. Uh, When does it turn into tech?
1: It turned into tech uh, when I realized that (laughs) I'm doing a J-job. My life is not really that interesting. Like I can keep doing trips. (laughs) I can keep doing uh, like, you know, just random stuff. And I wasn't at the stage where, you know, I'm starting to build businesses or something like that. Like if I was to do vlogging now, I have a lot more I can show and talk about. But at that point I was spending like most of my life working, you know, day to night. And then when I come home at night, I'm with the kids and, and I didn't want to film my kids and family and stuff. So it was just, it just got there. Like, that's why I only did like a trip, I think a couple of trips. And then after that, I was just like, well, this is not sustainable. Uh, mm. So then I thought, okay, what's another interest of mine? And another interest of mine was tech, because I was already into it. So that's when I thought, you know what, let's let's do tech. And right. then I kind of tried to find how I can kind of unite those two passions where I wanted to do storytelling and, uh, you know, do my own uh, side of things, yeah. versus also wanted to do tech. And that's why, like, from the start, my videos have always liked the intros would have like the skit or i'd have some sort of storytelling and like some sort of uh you know some cool cinematic stuff that i'll do so that's that's pretty much where that whole intersection happened for me
0: so who do you know who your main influences were at the time because you mentioned that you were not super into video making camera gear that sort of stuff but you were into tech in a personal level so yes who was the guy you were like all right that's an example so the filmmaking side of it i was really inspired by
1: peter mckinnon and sure. i still am uh you know a legend uh in the space uh but on the tech side uh there were a few people like for example uh, jonathan morrison uh also known as tld today mm-hmm. i really liked what he was doing which was not really just focusing on the tech and the specs but like it was like storytelling with tech where like yeah. okay how does this tech actually impact people's lives mm-hmm. and that's kind of the the niche that I kind of wanted to target. So it I wanted to talk more about like, okay, well, this laptop and phone does this, 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 this. These are the specs for it. Rather than that, I wanted to do like, okay, well, here's my experience using it. Here's how it has impacted my life. Here's what you should consider if you're looking into it. So that was kind of like the the area of tech that I wanted to explore more on. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, those would probably be some of my bigger inspirations at that point
0: so uh, it's so funny that you said that you did vlogging and you realized that your life you didn't feel that it was interesting because i did the exact same thing i was going i was like i did like four vlogs i'm like i don't want to watch this like why would anyone else (laughs) and then what more would i do yeah Yeah. i just did like a hard right into podcasting but Mm. so then it's also the thing where shooting a video editing all that putting it up that's effort yeah right Mm. but early on one of your videos explodes right i think it was it was maybe the ipad pro 10.5 inch thing that's i think so yeah yeah that's not too far from your start so mm. were you thinking how are you feeling about the effort when you made the switch to tech and when that sudden bump came what was that moment situation like? um so i'll say like the effort for doing tech videos is slightly more
1: than actually blogging because blogging is kind of like you don't have to really prepare much yeah, yeah. you kind of just you have like a blues idea outline of some of the things that I kind of want maybe want to talk about in the vlog but more so it's kind of just the events of your day you're documenting yeah. the the journey of the trip or day or whatever the premise is um but on the tech side you have to like research you have to like you know what if you're trying to get a product to reach out to the brand get get the a product um or you know buy it or fund it and then actually research the project product actually use it in your life see how it impacts you and then come up with a script and obviously you can't really be as loose with that as like a blog because you got to deliver more value uh in the sense that people are clicking on it to actually learn something about that product yeah. or something um, so there's a lot more effort involved um, so that i noticed right away um the amount of effort that it required and that's why even like the proximity of my videos at least initially was really bad uh i was doing like one video like sometimes like two months apart uh which is why when my like a couple of my videos took off like especially that one i, w- I was surprised because you know up until then everybody was telling me like consistency is the only thing that's gonna you know help you grow but I mean, for some like, uh, Alhamdulillah, whatever reason it was right. You know, that, that particular video took off and then I was like, okay, well, I don't really have to put out like two videos a week, as long as, you know, maybe I'm focusing on my story and my quality and I keep doing that. And maybe that'll work. And for quite some time that did work. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, like it, it, it was just, uh, you know, a couple of videos would take off, but I wasn't, I never really paid attention to analytics. I never really paid attention to, uh, oh, how this video is doing, how that video is doing. Um, it was kind of like, I'm just creating because I, I like it. I enjoy this. This right. is giving me a chance to step away from my day job and actually just you know have fun doing it. And the funny thing is, now that I'm doing this full time, now I'm paying more attention to analytics and everything like that. Sure. It's kind of pulling a high. little bit away from that. Yeah. Yeah, stakes are high. yeah exactly. Yeah. So, but yeah, I miss that, like having just you know nothing to worry about and just making something and just putting it out there. Mm. So, so
0: when you yeah. started out, then it sounds like this wasn't, this was more like a creative endeavor first, rather than yeah. a financial incentive. When yeah. did that sort of shift when you started? Thinking, All right, this is making some real money. We could mm-hmm. look into making things more consistent. When did that start to come about?
1: Yeah. So that was more so a realization at a certain point where I was like, okay, well, there are a lot of people that are doing well in YouTube. Uh, so I have this thing where anytime I see somebody do something and it's like, yeah, I could, I could do that. And then yeah, yeah, I want to yeah. do that. Right. Yeah. So if I see like a YouTube video of like some uh, completely out of my niche, but it's like something that they've done that I think is cool. i will be like, I can do that. I can so, I, and I want to try to do that, right? So, I kept seeing all these YouTubers, and like they were like, "Yeah, we're, we're full time and everything." And I'm like, "Why can't I do that?" And I really got tired of doing my day job, and like I would literally look for pockets of time where it just mm. got so exhausting because my commute to work. Uh, I live kind of like on the outskirts of Toronto, and then. I had to commute into downtown Toronto for work. So my train ride would be about an hour door to door. was about one way, about an hour and a half. Uh, so I was spending nearly three hours in a commute every single day um, and then working those long hours. So it just got really difficult. And the only time I would have to edit would be on those train rides. So every oh. train ride, I'd be excited. Uh, I'll pull out my laptop. I'll go up to the quiet zone where everyone's sleeping and then headphones in. And then that's when I would do my research, my editing and everything like that. And then I would do my recordings either late at night once I got back from work, or I would do them early morning uh, when the kids and wife and everyone are asleep. So I'll wake up extra early to do that. And that was the only time I'm fine. Um, so that sort of lifestyle, um, I enjoyed the hustle, but it got really tiring for me because it w- I just, just wasn't sustainable. Uh, I was constantly you know, thinking about thinking about it, even when on the weekends, when it's when I'm trying to spend time with the kids or family or anything, it's just churning in my head. So it, it wasn't sustainable. So that at that point, I thought, you know what, I have to make a decision. Either I focus on my career and because also on the career standpoint. It's like, if I'm not spending my extra time, I noticed that people at in my career, people on my level, were starting to step up on opportunities where I wasn't. And I looked into it and it was because they were doing extra work and extra things, picking up extra uh, slack on the weekends or whatnot. And that was giving them further opportunities. So I was like, okay, well, no, they're going, no, they're going like, I'm like just stuck in the middle, right? Like, like, okay, well, neither am I doing well in my career. Neither am I doing well on YouTube. Like, like I'm going to, you know, it's just going to burn out and not be good in either. So I thought, you know what? at this point I have to make a decision and kind of just focus my efforts on one thing. And at that point I said, you know what, forget the career. This is, I'm, I'm just going to go full hundred percent on this. And that's when that kind of just switched. And then mm-hmm. I was like, okay, well, here are all the ways I can, uh, you know, diversify my income streams. Here are all the ways I can, all the things I can do to try to get to the level where I need to in order to go full time. And then mm-hmm. that's, that's when, uh, kind of switch happened.
0: We, we got to this part a bit earlier than I was expecting, but in your, uh, like your, you mentioned the family thing in your 20 K subscriber of Q and a video and another Q and a videos. Also, you've mentioned this thing that you said just now where, you know, you're just constantly in that YouTube video, edit schedule, record mode and people ask you, how do you make time for this? Cause your job's busy too. And you're like, you cut out your entire, social life and you know mm-hmm. this was all you were doing i was wondering yeah. because there are echoes of this in casey's life you know one of your biggest mm-hmm. inspirations and he's yeah. ever since he moved from new york to la he's done a bunch of podcasts and he was like yeah i was probably heading towards a divorce if i didn't stop vlogging every yeah. day because it was just that was his life you know the hustle thing. for sure and it's not like your job was laid back anyway so yeah, yeah so i'm how did you start to realize that this would be a problem? Because you've always mentioned that your, you know, you, your wife's been super yeah. supportive, but you have like three kids. Um,
1: yeah.
0: Did you start to get worried about that phase at some point?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it's always uh, been something that I I, I was having at the back of my mind and it is still something till this day that i struggle with is is turning that off yeah. um and especially now I, and i didn't realize this i thought you know what okay if i'm doing this full-time i'll be able to kind of just do this full-time and then leave this and then go back you know uh when i go back home that's yeah. it like that's the it's cut off no and i think that kind of that's one of the to- like turmoil of entrepreneurship is that like it just becomes your baby. And like, it doesn't matter whether you're spending like 12 hours, 15 hours, or three hours, it's always going to be something that is going to be on your mind. It's like a kid. Right. And you're constantly thinking about it You can't like, cause for me, it's like every hour that I don't spend on, this is an hour that I'm not growing. And, and that kind of, it kind of starts to eat away at you. Mm. Um, so I think, um, uh, I mean, the solutions are, we know what the solutions are. I'm not good at the solutions, but I mean, the solution is there. It's like, try to set a healthy limit where you're like, you know what, from this time to this time is when I'm working after this time I cut off. Right. Um, So still a work in progress for me. Yeah, uh, and yeah. it's still something that, you know, uh, I have to keep working on, but uh, I'm below that, you know, you know um, having those clear conversations with your spouse or a significant other um, or family members, whether it's your parents, whoever's involved in the process, having those conversations, like telling them what you're kind of going through, uh, as well. It, it definitely helps because it helps the other person empathize with the situation that you're coming from. Um, so I think as long as you have that open communication and there is effort that you're putting towards that you're okay. And I think Casey's specific situation was just, it was this, what I'm going through time, like 10 X because he was doing daily vlogging. Right. So every day he would film every day he would record and upload. Right. And I think there is a healthy balance or a limit there where you can find a middle ground where you're maybe doing like, you know, yeah, you're doing some in a week, but you know, you're cutting off and then kind of going to your family and trying to disconnect from that. Yeah. But, uh, I, I think naturally that will always be a struggle for all creators and, or all entrepreneurs for that matter of fact, uh, it's, it's just going to be in your mind and you have to figure out a
0: way to shut it off. Yeah, no, I think, um, I don't know if it was Johnny Harris or someone, but him and his wife, they're also like creative couple. And they yeah. were, I think, talking about, you know, boundaries. And I think people say that, yeah, yeah you're not working a job. This is your time, but mm. do a nine to five, you know, set those boundaries yeah. in your mind. Once you leave your studio, your very amazing studio, by the way, I want to talk to you. About it's your it's bike. a mess. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, the mess. bike, yeah. the, the Ducati just, you know, just covers yeah. all the mess. Yeah. Oh, um, <laughs> But another thing was you mentioned your parents and I'm very curious about this. Uh, Yes. First, you did not become a doctor. So that's already a disappointment in Desi circles. And (laughs) then you start doing this video thing online and now you've quit your job. What was, uh, was there any pushback on that level? Like what the hell are you doing?
1: (laughs) So, and so I tell this even to, uh, so I I do like uh, I help with like uh, the local youth programs at the masjid here and stuff. So I'm very like, I'm very involved with the youth community and it's the same problem that they all have. Like a lot of them, they want to be basketball players. They want to do this. They want to do that. Something completely different. Mm-hmm. And um, there is still always this uh, mindset where none of that is safe. You have to, you know, go to school, get a proper job and do this, do that. Um, so I, I guess first I'll start with uh, my particular situation. So my, my parents were, uh, I, if I did this when I was first mm-hmm. doing university yes, yeah, there will probably, there was probably going to be more pushback, yeah. but I started this after I got married after I was already working in a, you know, a really good job. Um, so, I mean, at, at that point they were just like, well, you know, Beta, you're earning you're you know, supporting yeah. the house and everything. Yeah. So that's fine. You can do whatever you feel yeah. like. Um, and, uh, but leaving this job was still a little bit daunting, but, um, Alhamdulillah, like he, even my dad, he's kind of like an inspiration for me because he, at the age of uh, I think around he was what forty eight or fifty, he left his uh, like engineering job he was working for many years and he went into real estate. Um, and it's because he didn't he didn't like working at that desk job uh, for for so long. so, I mean, it's never too late to make a switch, right? if my dad could do it at the age of 50 to do what he loves and I it's going well for so many years now, um, you know, like what he always used to tell me is that, uh, well, he still does tell me, but like, um, if, uh, like your risk and everything is already written for you, right? How much you're going to make, what you're going to make is already written for you. It's literally a matter of fact of, okay, one is a halal. And number two, where you're getting that risk from. Right. Mm-hmm. So At the end of the day whatever i'm gonna make is already written whether i do that through this youtube thing or whether i do that through my day job right so it's it's a matter of you know making uh, believing that like you know this is this is the route that you want to try and uh you know and and just uh taking that leap of faith which is the most scary part and in terms of the actual like if you're younger right and uh i'm not sure like if you have like a younger audience also watching um what i tell like all the all, all these kids is that your parents are all like, they're, they're super important because whatever you want to achieve is not going to be possible unless you have your parents do like, you know, uh, like they're backing behind you. Right. And if they are persistent, like obviously they're not going to be like, okay, you know what, if you want to do gaming online, sure. Skip school and start gaming. Yeah. No, no parents are going to do that. <laughs> right. And like, I I'm like in, in social media and I don't think I would ever say that to my kids. So the thing is um, I would still do whatever they ask right? But what I would pull away from is is the the things that you have control over. So for example, um, one of my students, he wants to be a basketball player. And he's good at basketball, but his parents are like, that's not going to earn you a paycheck, right? You got to be going to school, you got to do this, 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 right? And he was very frustrated with that. Um, So I told him, look, you go to school, you do whatever you need to do, right? Do that, right? That's not going to change that. You're still going to have that, but it doesn't mean that you cannot pull away from your social time. You cannot pull away from like, you know, your gaming time or you're relaxing. That's when you go play basketball and train and, and make that like mm. kind of like your, your focus. Right. Mm. Um, and if on these kids, they'll tell Oh, I don't have time. And I'm like, well, if you don't have time now, <laughs> It's only going to get worse yeah, every yeah. step of your life, right? Yeah. Like you're going to you know, grow up, you're going to have a job and you have to study and have a job. You have to like, you know, further your career. You have to, you know, uh, you know one day you might get married, you might have kids, this, that, like it never gets more time. So yeah. at any point in your time, the younger you are, that's the most time you're going to have available in your life at any point. Yeah. So yeah, you just got to, you just got to try to juggle both and take away from know maybe your social life take away time from maybe uh you know other things that um you're gaming right um that's what that's what i would say yeah
0: no and and this is also one of the reasons why i want to talk to you because our audience is you know mostly in pakistan and one of the biggest challenges with content creation and youtube in pakistan is the financial incentive is super low like the cpm Mm. and stuff like that just doesn't work because you know currencies purchasing power all that stuff. But like everywhere in the world, every kid wants to be a YouTuber. Every kid wants to be a content creator. So yeah. I was interested in. I mean, I got there was you, and there's also Patrick, Tomaso, people who are well. Now you've changed, but not full time YouTubers that they, they have a job mm. and they also do this, which seems to be the stable route. Like you know, you you your parents are going to be concerned. But as long as you're getting the work in also in Pakistan, it's not just that your parents are concerned. It's like, it's actually super difficult. And also YouTube is super saturated. Mm. Now there's all those things. Um, It's, it's just this approach which has a bit of compromise, but it's Mm. way more realistic and achievable. Like not everyone, you're not going to be Mr. Beast. You're not going to be MKBHD, which is the only standard that people want overnight. Um, And even Mm -hmm. those people work super hard and it's just, People don't realize it, so that's also one of the reasons why I want to talk to you. Speaking of, then coming back to then your channel, um, yeah, I've seen. I wanted to understand because I wonder how these. Everyone talks about you know the algorithm, this magic, yeah. mystic, rune thing that nobody understands. Yeah. in your videos now, you're at like you know fifty thousand subs almost. There's. Mm-hmm. There's like some videos, which there's the consistent videos that do like tens of thousands of views, right? From the 30 to the 90. I, I was doing my accountant analysis on your channel. <laughs> I <I've> noticed, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then there's some videos that blow up, right? And uh, mostly Apple products. So is that, do you think that's your category, do you think, or just ha- that's what it's become or is that something you focused on? So I I think
1: in YouTube, there's a a constant pressure to kind of uh, submit to the algorithm and do Mm. what what, uh, the algorithm thinks. Like everybody comes into it thinking that, I'm going to do what I like. Um, And then they realize the more I do what I like, the more unwell that it doesn't do that well. Um, I have to do what the algorithm likes. And then it kind of just changes you into this person who's the same as everybody else. You're still doing the same clickbaity titles. You're still doing the same, uh, you know, uh, style of thumbnails. So you, it kind of just forces you to be whatever, you know, people want to see. Um, So I have, I actually have a problem with that and that's even though i like some of my videos have blown up um I could be doing a lot better for example my most viewed video uh I think uh, over like a million views is my uh, iPad accessories video well now I have a short that's done like two million but yeah. I think in terms of actual videos my iPad accessories um that one has done over a million and the thing is when I dropped that and it was blowing up Everybody was telling me, Joseph, like this is the time you gotta zone in. Start doing more iPad videos. Yeah, start doing yeah. more accessory videos. Uh, more iPad accessory videos. And for that entire year, that rest of the year, I don't know if it was just subconscious or I adamantly didn't do any of them. I didn't do any iPad videos. I didn't do any accessory videos, and I didn't want to. And it's it's a really bad business decision and a really bad growth decision because I could have fully r- ridden that wave of people that were checking that out. And then YouTube would recommend this video and they were all kind of like rise up. But I, uh, I've always been like, I only do videos on stuff that I enjoy talking about in that very moment. Mm. If, uh, if like, you know, something is hot or, uh, I haven't done a video on it. And, but like, I don't enjoy, I don't want to talk about it. I'm not going to do it. Right. So for me, it was like, I've already done my iPad accessories video. I'm not going to put out more like, Oh, iPad accessories, uh, under 25 bucks or something like I, I didn't want to do that. So I just didn't, and there's nothing wrong with doing that smart business decision, smart YouTube decision for sure. Um, it just wasn't for me. Um, and that's consistently happened. Like anytime one of my videos blow up, I usually don't do similar videos after that. Mm. But the reason why you see a lot of Apple related videos on my channel is it's simply because that's that's what I use. Like that's my my daily right. Um right. as a content creator, I edit on Final Cut Pro, which kind of got me into Mac. And after that, everything else was kind of just in, in that ecosystem uh of Apple products. Like I did a Pixel video that did pretty well as well. Mm. Um, but it's just it's just uh yeah. I I just enjoy doing uh, talking about products that I'm actually excited about and they use. So, for example, I I think I've done so far like two or three videos on the new MacBook Pros, and that's because that's kind of like taking up most of my brain space where I'm super excited about this. I'm talking to people about it. I'm you know, like you know, uh, discussing with other people about different specs and actually trying to you know um, uh, 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 check it out. So it's all because that is what I'm interested in that moment. So if you see like a particular video and, you know, uh, somebody asked me from work before I quit, actually, he's like, man, I love your channel, but you always just do Apple stuff, right? Like, are you paid by Apple?
0: I'm like, no, it's just
1: what I use. Right. Um, So it just comes down to that.
0: But then now that you're also doing it full time, then another thing was, there's the videos that get tens of thousands of views. There's the videos that get hundreds of thousands of views, but in between you have videos that get like a few thousand views as well. Correct. given that now this is not just a side thing, this is your main thing, right? All those, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's a difference in perspective of, yeah, the algorithm is whatever, I'm gonna push my creative side first, but now do you feel, I mean, it's only been a month, and um, do you feel that you have to tune into the algorithm a bit more, make some of those creative compromises to sort of keep things consistent?
1: yeah and i think uh i think who, who was that? i think sarah Ditchie, she said it best um she usually she does like uh two for them one for me sort of right. thing like so right. she'll do two videos for the algorithm then she'll do one for herself and i think that is probably a healthy way of hmm. uh, approaching it where it's like yeah you still gotta pay your bills so you still gotta you know put out what people want to see um and then you can have maybe like one creative project that you do, uh, you know, in the month or something that, you know, that, that really intrigues you. Um, I take a slightly different approach in the sense that for me, I still try to bridge that gap in every video. And so, for example, when I talk about tech and the A-roll segment of me kind of like sitting down telling you about this laptop, that's my least favorite by far to talk about, to script and to edit and to film as well. Um, My most exciting part is where I do like those funky like scripts and stories and like, you know, uh, like where I'm like, you know, kind of breaking up with like my MacBook or something like something absurd, right? Yeah, that's my most favorite part to think about, to script, to film, to edit. Like that part, that stuff gets me excited. Even the video I launched, like yesterday, I did like this intro where like, you know, me and my friends kind of come together. That was my favorite part by far. Um, So I think what I've tried tried to do is in every video in order to get me excited about that video, I start off with trying to come up with a creative way that, that I can tell the story. Right. Um, so even if I'm doing a video for the algorithm, I'm like, okay, what's a creative way that I could have fun in this video and show my, you know, exercise my creative muscles? And that's why I started doing the whole storytelling and, Mm. uh, you know, cinematic portions and whatnot, because that stuff gets me excited. And then once that's once I do that, then it's like, okay, well, now I'll finish the rest of the video because I want everyone to see this first 10 seconds of this video. Okay, well, I got to finish the other like, you know, two minutes or five minutes or whatever. So it's kind of like my um, motivation to get through the video as well.
0: Yeah. The creative thing is also interesting because you're not just doing like a funny setup. Like at times it gets mm. elaborate. There's like, you know, there's like a Nat Geo Discovery Channel homage. One video had like a crazy Morgan Freeman voiceover. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty unique, like even in the in the entire tech space. I don't mm-hmm. think many mm-hmm. people are doing this. And what I was curious about was a do you know where this comes from this interest mm. and and b and might be too early to ask do you see yourself pursuing creative production or you know creative work more maybe down the line but is that something that you'd be open to even if it meant mm-hmm. diverting from tech a bit
1: for sure yeah uh, to answer your first question I think it's, uh, I've always had like a very visual mind where, mm. um, you know, I, I'll, I'll just have random like crazy ideas pop up into my head. And it's kind of a blessing and a curse where it's a blessing because, alhamdulillah, like it, it gives me some unique perspectives on certain things that I wanna, you know, display. And that's, and I found the video to be like, that's what, one of the reasons why I love doing what I do is mm. like it helps me translate whatever I'm thinking, even if it's a dumb, silly idea to something that I can put out and have potentially thousands of people watch it. Um, So it's like a creative outlet for my mind. That's already constantly thinking about these, but it's also a curse because I, like I said, like I, it's tough for me to like shut it off. So there'll be times where like my daughter might wake up in the middle of the night. It'll be like 3am. I'll wake up, I'll go take care of her. And then after that, while I'm heading back to bed, I'm like, Oh my God. So a light bulb goes off. It's like, for that video that I have planned, I could start it off like this, or I could do this and tell the story that way. And then it's like, suddenly my, my sleep is gone. Now I have to like sit down and I'm not able to like tell myself, okay, no, because when that inspiration comes, I have to like get it down on paper, like immediately. Um, So I'll pull out my phone, laptop, whatever. And I have to like type out, I'll type out like the entire intro, the script and everything. And then I'll be like, fudge your time. And my wife will be like, you, you're awake this whole time, like, yeah, and it'll mess up my day. So it's yeah. kind of like it, it sucks as well. But I mean, it's good that it kind of also opens my mind up to like these different things. So I think it's all about not like using your imagination and letting actually not being afraid to display because a lot of people they'll have something similar where they'll have all these cool ideas and crazy ideas, but they get hampered by the fact or they're inhibited by the fact that they're scared to show that side to the public or they're scared to like, for example, for that video with the Morgan Freeman voice, right. That's, I think that when you go to my channel, that's a video I think I have featured that people can watch. I'm like literally jumping around like, like a little, little kid at the start. Right. And it looks so weird. And even when I was editing it, I'm like, do I really want to do like this, like ballerina jump, like whatever, like it's just, it's just so dumb. Right. But like, I'm confident that that's one of the reasons why the video did so well, because it just, it builds this whole narrative and the story. And like, you just have to not be scared to let people see that immature side of you, because I I feel like everybody's has an immature side to them and people really, you know, value, value, seeing people that are vulnerable like that sometimes. Um, So I think, you, everybody here probably gets great ideas everybody listening but it's a matter of not being afraid to share them and not being afraid to put them out mm. um you know and uh, actually being confident in it uh and then what was your second question i totally forgot do you
0: think you're gonna push this more in the future do you see yourself going oh down? to do
1: external projects yeah like i mean i really want to get into more uh documentary filmmaking uh mm. it's one of the things that uh, i've had on the side of my mind but at the, the the problem with me is that I have so many ideas of things I want to do, like businesses, projects, products, uh, you know, uh, different YouTube channels, even um that it becomes so tough for me to focus on one thing at a time. And um that is probably my biggest achilles heel because i'm just i get overwhelmed with everything i want to do and i'm not able to focus on one thing mm. so i think now i'm i'm trying really hard to start to prioritize what i need to do and right now my priority is to continue building this channel, but also to build up like a brand and a business alongside of it. So that's currently what I'm focusing on. But yeah, eventually I do want to, once some of these things that I want to, for like the longest time I've had in my mind, I want to establish and build and put out in the world. Once inshallah, I do all of that, then I'll probably switch gears to, you know, I have some projects that I, I really want to do in terms of document documenting, uh, like a documentary filmmaker style stuff. So, inshallah, I'll, I'll probably get to that eventually.
0: But mm. let's see. Okay, um, what's the what's your YouTube community experience been like? Like, when did you start reaching out mm. to people to maybe collab, get new videos, meet people? What was that like? Because there yeah. was this one point in YouTube. Where collabs were the thing, every people were just mm. flying all over North America to appear yeah. in people's logs and this and that. It's died down a bit mm-hmm. as more and more people have gotten established, more and more people have entered. But you yeah. know, it's it's a good thing to form these new, genuine creativity based mm-hmm. you know, associations and friendships. With that, yeah, yeah.
1: Like uh, yeah, look, I mean, I think it's stems from the fact that YouTube is very isolating. Um, and it, cause you're, you're doing everything from like the, you know, the brand, uh, managing the scripting, the store, like, you know, filming, editing, everything is done alone. So it's very isolating. And I think that's why people love doing collabs, aside from the fact that, you know, some, some people might do it because it helps increase their audience size, sure. but yeah. I've actually found that not really to be the case. Like I've done several collabs but your audience size doesn't really change much and that's what i've noticed uh unless of course like if somebody like huge features you on their channel itself but if even then like i mean uh if it's like a small feature unless they're actually like talking about you and you're like the focus of that video uh for example when peter mckinnon talked about um cody warner right Mm -hmm. uh like uh cody another creator here in the us he blew up but And I think if Peter just featured him as like, hey, it's my friend, you know, doing something here for, and like, it was just like a short segment in the blog, it might not have had that big of an impact, right? But because that video was featured on him, I think it made a big impact. So I think it comes down to, uh, you know, people just wanting to interact with other people that are interested in the same thing and um, going from there. And I'd highly recommend. Are like-minded, together to talk about uh, different things and uh, you know how we can improve each other and why not? It's it's super beneficial. Like mm. in my space, in my friends' circle and my family circle, I am the only one that's interested in filmmaking, interested in tech, interested yeah. in all of these things. Nobody else is right, so it's it's further isolating because then it's like you just have nobody to talk to about this, right? Like not even your friends. So that's when people like you start reaching out to like other people, right? And I found that really helps because now a lot of my day spent talking to these other people, even for example, let's say, I come up with a thumbnail, I'll send it to like my friend can And I'll be like, Hey man, I need help with this. Like, what do you think of this? And then he'll be like, no dude, this, 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 this. And then we just talk about it. Right. And it helps or like talking to somebody else about having a family and struggling on YouTube as well, yeah. uh, would like, you know, um, how how to be committed to both. So, it definitely helps. And I, I recommend looking out for those like-minded people and kind of just building that network in your mind. And I think it also kind of ties back to what I mentioned at the start of this podcast with the whole networking aspect of it. And I think that is always going to be the biggest thing when it comes to business or even creative space in, in the creator economy or in any economy is networking. It's like, if you can master down networking and helping build those networks of friends and people that you know are like-minded, I think you can accomplish a lot of things and build a solid audience.
0: Mm. Following up on the thing though, another there's something that's unique about you in terms of just you know famous youtubers. you're Daisy and Muslim. How's yes. that experience been interacting with people? Is there any pressure because? I don't, I'm not in North America. I wasn't even in the West until recently. All I saw on the news was it was only on the news the thing about representation and this and that and stereotypes and stuff. I lived in the Middle East or Pakistan. So there was none of that over Mm. there. How real Mm. has it been for you throughout? And also does it tie into the community work that you do at the Masjid? Yeah. So
1: I've always been somebody who is, uh, I I strongly believe um, that, who you are you have to be confident and proud of who you are and if you are then other people will in like we we constantly think, think especially in basic culture like even over here in north america we think that like people are ashamed of our culture like or like like for example oh man if he sees me like you know eating like indian food or something like you know desi food then it's going to be bad but like if you're like confident and proud about it like I feel like people actually respect that even more Mm. um, rather than, you know, looking down on that. Right. And it's just something that we've psychologically developed um, when we're going like abroad or anywhere really. Um, So I, I I think that if you're confident and proud of who you are, then everyone else will respect that even more. Uh, So for example, when I was working um, you know, uh, if I needed to pray, right? I I won't be like, hey, I just need to use the bathroom and I'll go and pray like in a room or come like, I'll be like, hey, I, I have to go pray. And then right. that strikes up a conversation. And it's like, oh, like, is this something that you do every day? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I, I have to do this five times a day. Blah, blah blah. talk about it. Not only is that a dollar opportunity, but it's also like they're like intrigued and actually interested because it's a different way of life from theirs. And they respect that, right? The fact that you are confident enough to talk about it or do something about it. Like in one of my videos, I think uh, it was like a vlog. um, I had like the local Sheikh from here, from our, from our masjid, like Sheikh Beaud, and I brought him on. It was like a Ramadan video um, because the video was like what I've been up to or something, because I didn't drop a video for a while and it was Ramadan. So I thought, why not just talk about it? So Mm -hmm. I kind of Skyped him in and then we, he explained what Ramadan was in the video and a bunch of my YouTube friends, uh, you can even see in the comments there, some of them were like, I I had no idea about Ramadan. This was cool to learn about, right? And then like a few people messaged me on the side, like, you know, asking some questions about it and stuff. So I think we kind of just put ourselves in that box thinking that, oh, people don't want to know about that, or people will not, you know, care, care about me or like, you know, look down on me if I show the side of me. Mm. In fact, I think if you are confident and proud of your background, I think it go it does more because it, it makes you unique and sets you apart and aside from everybody else. And that's, in my opinion, that's a currency. Like if you can differentiate yourself from everyone else, like, you know, people, people are going to notice you. Right. And mm-hmm. essentially that's what building an audience is, is being noticed by people and people wanting to relate to you. Right. So yeah. I think, I think that that's a large part of it.
0: Given, I mean, you're in Canada where as an outsider, it seems that things yeah. are not as, charged as they are in the US, um, you know, just mm. in media and news and stuff. Um, do you does this put any pressure on you? Like that you have to be like a model they see person, model Muslim all the time? Is that even a thing that you think of consciously? Um not not
1: re- not really, because I right. guess I, I'm just being myself. Uh I mm-hmm. don't really um you know like if i'm if i'm doing something then i'll kind of just show it on camera it is it's just who i am uh but like also it's not a big deal for me because i don't really film a lot of my personal life right sure. so if i was filming my personal life then yes it, it could probably impact my thinking impact what i do and that's one of the reasons uh, uh, the case to even mentioned, right because he was filming his family a lot right and because he was filming his family a lot he would try to act in a certain way to bring about a certain reaction from his family yeah, to get yes. on camera. Yeah. Right. So, so because I, I don't do any of that um, I think I, I'll have my kids in some of my videos, but you won't see their faces. You'll see the backs of their head or something very like, you know, minor. Um, because of that, I don't think it impacts me as much. Like I don't have to think, but uh, because all, the community involvement that i do have locally here i think it it, like a lot of eyes are definitely on me like especially when i go to the masjid and stuff like that like a a lot of these kids they come up to me and they talk to me about this and whatnot and i'm uh, i'm happy about that fact because that's one of the main reasons i actually started doing this this whole youtube thing was because one, one, one of the driving factors for me was like we have always constantly been told i don't know if it's Daisy thing or if it's a muslim thing is to Mm. kind of stay away from the media and like you know we don't watch that we don't do that we don't partake in that and that's kind of really put us at a uh, disadvantage to like everyone else in society because we don't have many people representing muslims and the thing is when i go to the masjid when i ask these kids like talk to them about, they don't know who all the latest celebrities are. They don't know who all the, like the famous people are. Really? Who do they know? They know YouTubers. They know TikTokers. They don't know, like they they don't really care about anything else other than like the TikTok world, the YouTube world and stuff like that. These are the people that they're looking up to, but you ask them who their favorite YouTubers are and you won't hear many Muslim names, right? Yeah, yeah. You won't hear any Muslim names at all. And like the few people um, that, uh you know um that may come into the industry that are you know muslim um you know their parents may not want want them watching those people right they may not be the best of examples but other than that the people that might be good examples maybe they're just talking about islam right like yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. that's another thing i didn't want to do right i didn't want to like you know come and just talk about uh islam and stuff like that but i thought it would be more beneficial if i had like an actual niche that i was part of and i sp- you know do that through my actions and you know like the uh, where i you know brought in the sheikh one episode randomly yeah. um because now i'm actually hitting a much wider audience and people are actually you know taking notice to these things so i think it's 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 definitely a part of my identity where i want to like the younger generation to see that you know what you don't have to be you know um an extreme muslim in 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 terms of like you know uh, going out and doing everything else that you know like the larger vlog community might be doing and neither do you have to be ashamed of what your identity is or who you are or anything like that you can be yourself and you can be on media you can be doing podcasting you can be doing you know youtube videos you can be doing tiktok videos and you don't have to be ashamed of who you are be proud yeah. of that and uh, you know that that you can use that to your strength so that's yeah definitely a motivating factor
0: two questions before i let you go um sure one of them is something you might expect and the other i think maybe not but the first one is what's the diversification looking like you said there's business there might be products is there like a merch line that's going to drop soon is or can you even talk about it at this stage
1: uh so there's a few (laughs) things i can't talk about because i have a few things going on but like I mean, essentially, yeah, like uh, from a business standpoint, I'll just, I guess I'll mention it generally, like macro Uh, business standpoint. I think YouTube, like if you want to succeed on social media, and I think I I wanted to mention this earlier when you brought up the whole, uh, you know, AdSense and everything being really bad in Pakistan and, uh, you know, like the CPMs and everything. And um, I think building a business uh, on social media, like on YouTube or anything now is a lot about it's it's, it's not really about like, okay, can I make enough ad sense? It's basically, can I build a community? If you're Mm -hmm. able to build a community of people that are invested in what you're doing, excuse me, um, then I think you can really pivot into any category you want, right? And before you build that community, you obviously like you know you're like okay well how do I make that paycheck? Well, you can diversify your income streams. So like you know there's uh AdSense which is the smallest part for me and for majority YouTubers. Um, then there's brand deals. Brand deals are a huge chunk of it, right? And that's what really kind of make helps people um, get make this a full time gig is the brand mm. deals, right? Mm. Um, and how do you get those brand deals? Well, it's by consistently doing. Uh, quality or some something different, something different sort of quality content that gets you noticed. Right. So again, this goes back to the community aspect of it. Like, are you doing something that's getting you noticed by people in the community? Are you doing something that's getting you noticed as something different that, you know, they're not used to. So even when I had like 500 subs, um, when I was much smaller, I was reaching out to some brands and the brands checked out my videos and they were like, this is cool. Yeah, we we're, we don't mind sending really? you stuff, right? Yeah, and be, like you know people usually think that when you're that small you're not really going to get anything, but I think it's more so has to do with okay, well is your stuff also quality? Right. Is your stuff also different and is your engagement, right? You may have maybe like, you know, with the, uh, you know, let's say 50 subs on your channel but all 50 of those people are commenting like four times on your video and they're engaged and they're talking and everything like that like these are all things that people pick up on right and uh, that also kind of ties into another income stream which is affiliate income because when you're talking about something you recommend something your word has merit right and people will uh look into that so there's affiliate income and then once you get to a certain level then you can start branching off into product development, like, you know, you're building a product or something, yeah. uh, then there's like merch development, clothing lines, this, that. And the thing is, once you actually have that audience, it's, you're pretty much like unstoppable. because you can literally pivot into any industry or category. Like you can see with Jimmy and Mr. Beast, right. Beast burgers and beast. This Yeah, and yeah philanthropy yeah. and that, but you can pivot into anything, the currency. And I think Gary V said this like many years ago in his book, crush it. Um, the currency of the future is going to be your audience, Mm. right? Like if you have an audience and a presence that you're able to, you know, reach out to, then you're going to be able to do like start up any business that you want, even if it's not within the niche that you initially developed. Uh, You can, you know, easier to get jobs, easier to do this or that and pivot into different opportunities. So I think Building that presence is very important and was very important for many years now and is even more important
0: now in Mm. today's day and age. Mm. Uh, Sorry, before I get to my last question, I wanted to ask about the bike. How would you end (laughs) up on the Ducati? Why this? Is this Mm. like a thing that you always wanted to get? So
1: firstly, my studio is extremely messy because I'm completely changing it up. Uh, So I'm actually building it out. So right now, like I literally just have this like one spot that looks decent that when I film, that's what you see. But like, aside from that, everything is a mess. Uh, So I'm actually trying to I got like some storage space at home. So I'm like shifting everything in and I'm going to design this. So that's why you see stuff in boxes and stuff over there. Uh, But yeah, the bike. The bike is something like I was always interested in, uh, um, so the so the thing with me is I I love doing things that are different <laughs> and, uh, it's a constant theme. I guess I I brought up, like, if I, if I think of something and it's different, I want to do it even more. Like for example, I always wanted to do uh, Muay Thai, uh, and boxing. I went and I started doing Muay Thai, right. Uh, B and like my friends were like, well, you always talk about it. Um, good to see that you're actually taking action right like a lot of people talk about doing different things Mm -hmm. but just go do it just actually do it and you'll find like like uh you know i'm not like you you'll feel a sense of fulfillment so one of the things for me was i always wanted to ride a bike Mm -hmm. and it was it's something that was uh you know over here like back home uh like in india pakistan and stuff like it's very common to have a bike it's nothing special over here it's very uncommon yep. right vast majority of people don't have it they're very rare on the streets um because i mean it's winter for like a lot of the months it's very cold outside you ride it for like a few months but you pay insurance on it the whole year there's a lot of disadvantages yeah, to have yeah. a bike um, <laughs> but uh i got a bike when i was in university i uh rode for many years now and then uh a few years back uh, and and then after the after university i kind of stopped i got i got a sports car and then i was like okay you know what i won't do the bike anymore um but then i got married and my wife didn't like the sports car so i had to sell the sports car uh get a more a viable car and now i'm on that minivan life so this is like my uh my fun my fun rocket so that, right. this is what i do to kind of have like an outlet on the side so i had a ducati monster a few years okay. back but then uh, they came out with like the Panigale V2. Um, and I mean, I'm not that old yet where my back hurts. So I thought, you know what, right. before I have to get into like a regular yeah. bike, yeah, yeah. Well, let's enjoy the sports bike a little more. So right. I got the Panigale and, uh, yeah. So that's kind of. Before you it.
0: go, uh, a weird question yeah. that you may not have an answer for. Okay. Do you have any gin stories? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> yeah, it's it's okay. random for anyone yeah. we speak to, but for this podcast, yeah. like the second episode we did, way back in twenty seventeen, it took off. It was a horror yeah. story episode, right? People mm-hmm. sent horror stories on Twitter. Me and my friends mm-hmm. who started this, we read them out, made fun of the people. People loved it to the point where they're mm-hmm. like, "Just do this, <laughs> just do this." Yeah, and I was like, "No, right? Just we're, not, people. <laughs> we're not going to go that crazy." But um ask people, yeah. you know, because anything you've heard, anything that's happened to you, that's yeah. super rare. But um... uh,
1: so at our local at our uh, local masjid uh, many years ago. Mm. um uh, basically uh, one of the imams there, one of the sheikhs there, he's he's known for doing ruqiyah, which is uh, like uh, to actually help people who are afflicted by by you right. know possession and stuff like that. So he does that and he was one of my Quran teachers too. So that's when I did hebs, um at like the masjid. Um, so I, I was there pretty much day and night, uh, like all the time. Sure. Um, so he would always try to, rope me and like one of my friends into actually coming to one of like some of his sessions like and internship. uh yeah <laughs> so so yeah we have our fair share of experiences uh so he would do like uh, actual chaos and stuff and sometimes it would be there um uh you know there uh and uh, he, he would teach us all about uh like how, how, like stuff are, are related to that um but one of the stories that kind of stick, stuck out to me was uh, at that masjid uh, on the 27th night of Ramadan. Um, mm-hmm. there, was, there was a kid that had come to the masjid, right? Um, and I hadn't seen him before, uh, but he came and uh, he was sitting in the masjid. And then um, the imam, uh, the imam that does uh, the he saw, he saw this kid and he was very fidgety. Like he was, he kept looking inside his jacket, like, and he was very fidgety and he had this off feeling about him. So he told a couple of the other guys to keep an eye on him. Um, And these other guys were like, they're, they're like much bigger guys. They were like my mentors when I was like smaller at that point. Um, So they were keeping an eye on this kid. And then suddenly what ends up happening is the kid starts panicking. He gets up, he runs outside to like the, where, where the slippers are. He starts putting on his shoes and um, These guys, uh, they're like, hey, everything okay? They go to talk to him. And suddenly this kid, like, he, I don't know if he felt like he was getting crowded or questioned about what he was doing. Um, He pushed them and he yelled so loud that people are saying, like, they've never seen somebody mouth opened that big and yelled that loud I, mean, I think you see it on like horror movies and stuff how like the mouth opens that yeah, big yeah. so I'm assuming they get it from somewhere maybe this is something that actually happens what? so he he yelled so loud and everybody like the entire masjid that I was like doing about that everyone stopped and they were shook and they like looked. and um the kid didn't put in put on his shoes even he just ran outside darted outside the masjid uh bare feet so at that point, uh, the imam had come and he was like, oh, we need to go get him, right? And and then, uh, so these older guys, they all ran outside after him. They ran and they jumped in their car and they're chasing, they're, they're driving after him. And outside the masjid, it was like an undeveloped area. Like, uh, like uh, there, there's like farmhouses and stuff like around that area, but like the road was like a gravel road. Um, so these guys are driving down this gravel road and they're telling me, this kid is running in front of them and they're gunning it at like 80 kilometers, like, you know, like a hundred miles an hour, they're gunning it on this gravel road. And this kid is out running them barefoot on the gravel. And suddenly he stops. So these guys start slowing down. And then he jumps into like the cornfields uh, on the side of the road and disappears. And they don't find him uh, after that, uh, the rest of the night. So they come back. So later on, the Imam, like uh, um, he spoke to the parents. So he, he, the parents reached out. Uh, He spoke to the parents and he's like, can I come over and see what's going on at home? Uh, So he came over to the home and the the Imam said he went to um, the kid's room, and he asked, Hey, can I check out his room? And the parents are like, Oh, no, uh, uh, I'm a beta locker the room. Like, I can't, we can't go inside. And like, Well, that's your first problem. Firstly, <laughs> why, why are you letting him lock his room and you're not allowed going in there? Like, like, whoa, yeah, what's yeah. up with that? So, um, uh, so they basically figure out a way, uh, and he opens the door and then they go inside. And when he goes inside that room, he sees like all of these, like, really, like, weird things that he has right like um and right then he knew like there was like uh you know blood and storage of urine and this and that and these uh random scriptures and stuff and so it turns out that he was practicing black magic The uh the kid yeah so the parents had no idea they had no idea how he got into this or got into any of this um but yeah once they figured that out uh and that son had eventually at that point returned home Mm. that's when uh the sheikh took him and then they took him to the masjid and the thing is when they actually interacted with him or engaged with him, he wasn't uh he wasn't acting out so i think um what the sheikh was saying is that like when somebody's possessed it's not like all the time time. it could come and go right Mm. so he was back to himself so they took him to the masjid and they read on him and like did did the whole process and everything like that and uh helped him out but uh yeah like it's like if you get involved in that world obviously like that that stuff comes with the territory so yeah wow. but i mean the moral of the story is uh, don't let your kids lock their rooms.
0: <laughs> <laughs> i mean that is probably one of the most intense ones that we've had yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. So i'm i'm sorry that it happened but (laughs) glad that we had the story (laughs) for sure (laughs) um yeah man is there is there anything else you want to talk about before we i'm all i'm all done with questions we have all the answers we need um anything you wanted to mention before we wrap uh
1: i think um, that's that's from my end not much i can think of um other than the fact that like I, I watched a couple of your stuff. Um, oh, you did? some yeah. really cool people. Yeah. Some really cool people, uh, that you got, you have on, like one of the people, I forgot his name. He's a landscape photographer yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that was your second one last, the uh, like ones. not yeah, your yeah. last. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I like, I mean, I, I think you guys have probably, like a lot of talent there. And, uh, I think, um, you know, I'd love to, you know, talk to some, uh, some, some of those people and, uh, it was nice to actually get a, chat with you as well and i think you're very well connected with um i guess the actual cre- uh, like people that are doing creative stuff in pakistan and everything and i think you can definitely use that to your leverage mm. uh, like you know like if you have like i said those networks and you've built that you guys can build a lot of cool stuff there and uh you know maybe we can chat offline but uh definitely have some ideas for you guys and uh, i think uh, might be beneficial for you uh if you wanna if you wanna explore that at some point but yeah, I love seeing all the all the creativity there and, uh, you know, lots of beautiful places. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if I'll be even allowed there because I'm my even though I never really lived there. But my my I guess, would well, yeah, I guess I'm Canadian now because I'm from and my background is Indian. Okay, So I don't even know if they, were, they will even allow me. To, I, mean, I to think
0: come there, but uh, I think once your passport changes, you can just apply for a visa. Yeah, because I've okay. looked into this. <laughs> yeah, I okay. have looked into it. Yeah, much of my yeah. uh, not much of my family, but some of my family who live in the U.S. They're Indian. Uh, they can yeah. come on their U.S. But even Indian people. Can oh, come. nice. It's a much longer yeah. process, but it's possible. I mean, yeah. uh, if you're ever interested, I'm sure I can find somebody who can you know set things up properly. Nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, maybe we can uh, maybe we can try planning something like one, one of my friends here. I, do you know Hisham? Hisham Al Hadi?
0: No, I don't.
1: He's uh so uh he's do you know Farhatashi? Yes, yes. Farhatashi, yeah, yeah, her, uh, her son. Oh. So, okay. Uh, yeah, he's a good friend of mine. Um and he used to do vlogs uh, and a lot of them were in Pakistan at that right, uh, at right. a certain point um so like you know just watching a lot of his stuff like i, I always wanted to come back and now when i um will not come back but visit uh now when i saw that landscape photographer's page i was like i want to go there so badly yeah uh
0: some point that story is just crazy because this is just a kid who's not even in a major city he doesn't have fancy yeah. equipment just from yeah. instagram he's developed this aesthetic oh, yeah. with global appeal got him yeah. funds that allowed him to get gear that was a super, yeah. I mean, I felt inspired by watching and it's like 20 years oh, old 100%. and I'm like, this is, yeah. <laughs> this is too yeah. much.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very talented and you guys have a lot of talent there, SubhanAllah. So, yeah, no, it was, it was nice uh, running into that and also chatting with you.
0: For sure, for sure. All right, man. Um, Thank you very All much, Tosif. Uh, I will put the relevant sure, links below. I don't know how much of a cross-pollination we have that, in the audiences, no, but, you know, doesn't I'm doesn't hoping I push yeah. people your way because my thing is, maybe we can find like examples for people, you know, that this guy did it this way. Maybe it would be cool. Um, So hopefully. Anyway, thank you very much for watching. We're gonna stop recording now. Uh, Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take care. All right. Take
1: care. Bye.